Welcome to 49ers Access. My name is Sterling Bennett, and this is episode number 17 of the podcast. After a rough stretch of losses, the Niners bounced back in prime time and took down their divisional foe, the Los Angeles Rams. We finally have something positive to talk about today, so let's do just that. Today we're going to discuss the victory over the LA Rams, optimism moving forward and where the 49ers match up in the NFC, and we'll take a look ahead at Week 7 when the Niners travel to New England to play the Patriots. Uh, joining us today, he's a contributor for Niners Noir. You may know him as Ice Cream Judas on Twitter. It's Mike Finn. Mike, let's just jump right into it. We need to talk about the most important part of that win on Sunday against the, the Rams 24-16. to It wasn't Garoppolo. It wasn't Shanahan. It wasn't even the defense who was phenomenal. It was the offensive line. The offensive line heard the criticism. They heard the fans saying, you need to step up. On this very podcast, I said this offensive line is the key to unlocking the 49er offense. And all throughout the week, guys like Trent Williams, Mike McGlinchey pushed back against the quote-unquote armchair quarterback saying a 30-second video on Twitter isn't indicative as to how we're actually playing. And I'll be the first to admit, I went strongly at Mike McGlinchey because he hadn't been playing well. Uh, And the entire offensive line, and I will proudly do this, eat an entire bowl of crow. I am so happy in how they played on Sunday. Here is the allowed pressures totaled versus the Rams via PFF. They only allowed four total pressures. That is the lowest since week 17 of last season in Seattle, where San Francisco won the division. Garland, who is now on IR, allowed only two pressures, the highest in the team this past week, and Brunskill and Tomlinson allowed one apiece. Trent Williams and Mike McGlinchey ended the night by allowing zero pressures, and Mike McGlinchey had his best game of the season, didn't allow a sack, didn't allow a quarterback hit, and didn't allow a single hurry on top of no pressures. He was he's phenomenal. It was just an utter dominant performance for the offensive line, which was evident in getting Garoppolo comfortable in the pocket again and the run game going. My first question to you, Mike, is what did you see from the offensive line on Sunday? And was it a case of just needing time to get the chemistry and build as a group? Or was it something else that you saw? And maybe it was just, hey, we're going to use our physical traits and ability to play well on Sunday. I think it's a little of all of that, you know, like first thing, first thing I wanted to know was where was this all season? And I heard some fans on Twitter say the same thing. Like we dominated in the trenches. We basically made Aaron Donald, who's the best player in the league, uh, irrelevant. And I even tweeted that during the game. And uh, you're right. You know, that whole offensive line has been suspect all season. And it does. I even said a similar thing, uh, to some of my buddies a couple of days before that game, the key to that game was going to be the offensive line, because guess what? If that offensive line doesn't step up and play well, Jimmy doesn't have the, all that time in the pocket. Jimmy can't hit some of those receivers that he hit or hit George Kittle for that uh, beautiful, I think it was a 44 yard touchdown. You know, uh, the running game doesn't, uh, doesn't produce as well as it did. And uh, yeah, they got off the snide a little bit. They've been hearing it a lot from the fans, um, a lot from the people on TV. Uh, the ESPNs, the, you know, the NFL networks, you know, like what what's going on with this, with this Niners team. They went from dominating in the playoffs all the way to the Super Bowl, six minutes away from a Super Bowl victory. And, uh, you know, this was reminiscent of some 2019 bully ball. I like to call it, you know, we uh, smacked them in the mouth. We punched them in the face 
and we told the Rams not today. And uh, it was a great team win, man. It was uh, it was wonderful to see those guys get back to dominating. It was uh, it was fun to watch because you could tell those guys were having fun again. And uh, when the Niners are having fun, and George Kittle's having fun, and he's uh, getting first downs and uh, you know screaming and being himself, it, we're hard to beat, man. And I'm hoping that that was a wake up call to them, and that offensive line produces because. I saw someone say, uh, now that you put this on tape, Brunskill, now that you've uh, shown us uh, that you can do this, uh, this is the norm, you know, and I, I, I tend to agree. You know what I mean? We're in a, you know, we're, we're right back in it. We're three and three. We're in the bottom of the NFC West, which is, in my opinion, the toughest division in football. But we're right there. You know, if we can string a couple wins together and continue to play like this, we're going to be a tough team to beat down the stretch. I'm not saying we're going to go 13 and three. Uh, if we can keep playing like this and having fun, the Niners are going to be a tough, a tough game every week. I 100% agree with you. And you said that the offensive line was the key to this week uh, with your friends. I would go even a step further and say, if the Niners want any chance at a Lombardi trophy, it starts with the offensive line. We see when they play poor, the offense doesn't work. But when they're on their game, uh, they lead a successful rushing attack, which in return allows Kyle Shanahan to scheme for Jimmy Garoppolo's strengths, which gets me to Jimmy Garoppolo, and that's Jimmy Garoppolo was on point on Sunday. Was he perfect? No. He missed some throws, he made some bad choices, but no interceptions, no fumbles, took care of the ball. He did everything Kyle Shanahan wanted him to do. Now it's very clear. The ankle was still injured. I'm not sure how much that affected him. We saw him put his shoulder down and run over a defender to get seven yards and go get a field goal. Like, that's the Jimmy Garoppolo I want to see, and that's the Jimmy Garoppolo we saw on Sunday. He was everything San Francisco needed him to be on Sunday. And so I want to ask you, did you like what you saw from Garoppolo on Sunday, or are there still things you're unsure about? The one glaring thing is is he missed a wide-open juice again in this game, and that's not the first time he's done that. He's done that... Uh, in two games that I can remember. And, uh, you know, there's there's just instances where we could have, you know, closed the door a little earlier on teams and, you know, maybe even scored 30-plus points in this game if uh, he hit juice uh, earlier in the game and uh, he goes for a long run or possibly even a touchdown. Um, Jimmy doesn't have to be perfect. See, uh, I, I stated the other day that uh, I wasn't a big fan of the coaching in the two losses that we, or the uh, the three losses that we have. The coaching just seemed, it seemed out of sorts. Kyle didn't seem to be calling the best plays. I think uh, Jimmy is in is at his best when Kyle is calling the plays to his strengths. Jimmy was throwing quick passes. That first drive was beautiful. It was quick to the edges. I even stated before the game, we got to play on the edges. We got to get Aaron Donald to run a marathon. We got to stop Aaron Donald from getting up the field and just having Jimmy sit back and be a statue. And that's exactly what Kyle did. The first drive, what was it? Four plays, five plays. It was just edges, edges, running, throwing, getting it to Debo, getting it to Kittle, boom, putting it in the end zone. And then the defense is on the field. You know what I mean? That's the kind of confidence building first drive against a divisional opponent that set us up for the rest of the game. If we would have came out a little flat on that first one, you know, it's all about momentum, you know, and and like you were saying before, uh, it starts up front. If the offensive line doesn't block for Jimmy, doesn't give me, doesn't give Jimmy time, doesn't open those lanes for Mostert and hasty and McKinnon and whoever else is running back there. We don't win those games. We don't keep that time of possession. Like we did 
against the Rams this week. But uh, I'm very impressed with, uh, with with what Garoppolo did last week. But uh, I always say this, man, it's not just one person. It's not just the offensive line. It's not just Daniel Brunskill. It's not just Trent Williams or Mike McGlinchey. It's all of them, man. Football, in my opinion, is the is the ultimate team sport. If all the guys aren't aren't clicking on all cylinders, no one person's really going to shine. Because if Garoppolo can't stand up, he can't get the ball to Debo. He can't get the ball to Kittle. So uh, I was very impressed by by Garoppolo. I don't ever expect Garoppolo to be perfect. What I do expect is is if he makes a mistake, to learn from it. Well, that's the one thing he's done. It seems like every time he's thrown an interception, I, I'm pretty sure that. Uh, the last Sunday against the Dolphins was, if not the first, maybe just the second time in his entire career in San Francisco that he's thrown a pick uh, and and not followed it up with a touchdown. That's how good he's been and how how his ability to, to make a mistake and learn from it has been. But when I watched Garoppolo on Sunday, it gave me flashbacks to last season. And, and albeit the majority of his passes were behind the line of scrimmage, uh, but I think that was because, and you kind of hit on this, that Shanahan knew that maybe he may not have been at 100% yet, but he wanted to get Garoppolo throws early, uh, throws that he could make, get him comfortable in the pocket, uh, which gets into my next point is that this game for San Francisco was a reset game. After losing, embarrassing uh, twice in two games in a row, the Niners had to hit the reset button and get it right. They needed to establish the run, get Garoppolo comfortable in the pocket again, and they did just that. They did that by completing quick passes and letting their receivers do what they do best. Uh, the Yak Bros were in full effect on Sunday. Uh, and this game was about creating momentum and building confidence in the offense again. Uh, and that started with Jimmy Garoppolo. We saw that first drive. You mentioned it. Uh, four or five plays, quick passes, uh, get the defense on the other side tired, make them run around a lot, make Aaron Donald have to chase down the receivers and the running backs instead of giving him the chance to tackle them inside the tackles. Uh, and they gave Jimmy Garoppolo easy plays to make, uh, but he also had to hit Kittle over the middle on fourth down for a huge touchdown. And Shanahan kind of opened the playbook somewhat after he built Garoppolo's confidence to throw the ball down the field. Now, he didn't hit any big passes, but you can see that there was building blocks in place of Garoppolo's confidence uh, is up. The momentum is running through the roof right now. Let's take a chance here. And even though they didn't hit it, you can see that that those plays are becoming more uh, apparent. Shanahan is seeing the confidence in Garoppolo and feels like his quarterback can at least uh, sling the ball down the field 60 yards, even though it wasn't a complete pass. And so, again, it wasn't perfect. But in my opinion, the Niners did everything they needed to do on Sunday to get this season back on track for the toughest part of the schedule. And so... I've talked about Shanahan's confidence in Garoppolo. What is your confidence in Garoppolo after Sunday? Like you said, that was a great reset game, man. That was a great confidence builder for Garoppolo. Um, he he hasn't looked great. He looked awful. That was probably his, I would probably have to say that that Miami game was probably his worst game as a Niner. And uh, he uh, he definitely has a short-term memory, as all good quarterbacks should. He, you know, brushed it off, left in the last week. And... Uh, Kyle did him a lot of favors in this game. Um, I do think, uh, you know, some fans don't want to say this out loud, um, but I do think Jimmy is limited in certain areas. Jimmy is not the throw the ball down the field 60 yards uh, five, six, seven times a game. He's not the throw those, you know, Patrick Mahomes 30-yard outs uh, on a rope uh, to guys. That's not his game. He, I don't want to call him a noodle arm, but he, he is not the guy who's going to press the outside uh, uh, passes uh, towards the sideline and scare defenses. Defenses are still going to camp out in the middle and dare Garoppolo to throw great throws to the outside. 
And uh, I love Jimmy. I think Jimmy has the talent uh, to take us where we need to go. Uh, but, you know, he's he's not the guy that's going to push the ball down the field like a Josh Allen or like I uh, mentioned before, uh, uh, Mahomes or a Watson. But at the same time, you give Jimmy time in the pocket and you allow Kyle to, as I like to call it, get in his bag of tricks. Jimmy is a lights out QB in those situations, you know. But if you force him to do things he's not comfortable or force him to throw balls that uh, he physically cannot and Kyle avoids those things, then, yeah, I think Jimmy can be, you know, a top five, top ten uh, QB day in and day out, week in and week out. Um, but you got to play to his strengths because there are definitely certain things uh, that some people, some fans don't want to uh, point out all the time uh, that he just can't do. And it's not smart to uh, push those issues just because you want to see it. Like a lot of fans want to see deep balls and, you know, the exciting plays that other teams uh, do on a regular basis. You know, that's just not Jimmy and that's okay. Yeah, I think the one thing I, I've loved since hosting this podcast is that I've had people come on and be honest. And I've been honest with them saying that I love Jimmy Garoppolo. And they have said they like Jimmy Garoppolo. But I think there's been an agreement on we like Jimmy Garoppolo for who he is. Now, we may disagree on where his potential is. Like, I think he can be a top eight quarterback, top six at the end of the day when he's on his game 100%. Uh, but I will agree with you that Garoppolo has strengths. He also has weaknesses. And we have to be honest with those. But one thing I do find very funny is that Garoppolo can come out, throw three TDs in the first half, and at the end, he can end the game by going 22 for 33 with those three touchdowns, 268 yards, a QBR of 90.3, and a rating of 124.3. And then when you look at the possible replacements people have listed or comparable quarterbacks to Garoppolo, and even a guy who maybe people would rank ahead of Garoppolo, and people still aren't happy or at least content for a week and realize that the Niners are in a much better place with Garoppolo than other teams are with, let's say, Carson Wentz, who the Eagles had negative seven yards in the middle of the second half against the Ravens. He was 21 for 40, 213 yards, two touchdowns, but his QBR was a 40.3. Like, yes, Carson Wentz has the ability, and we saw it in, in Santa Clara, even with a bad team. And again, the coaching was bad. We were banged up. He can be a leader. But then look at Garoppolo's night and compare him to an okay Rams team. I, I think the Rams are good. They're not the Ravens, but the Ravens aren't the Ravens we saw last year. And so then you go to Cleveland and Baker Mayfield was 10 for 18, 119 yards, one touchdown, two interception, and a 5.4 QBR. He got benched at halftime for Case Keenum. Like, these are the these are the quarterbacks we're comparing Garoppolo to, but Garoppolo throws three touchdowns and wins a game against a pretty good Rams team that is uh, likely a fringe playoff team like we are right now. Like, we should be happy. But to me, the, the bottom line here is that, or, or, or the number one example of, of Niner fans, maybe, I don't want to say turning a blind eye to not only Garoppolo's weaknesses, but also to how good he can be, is watching Kirk Cousins throw three interceptions in the first half versus Atlanta and say he stinks, and then one week later say he's better than Garoppolo. It makes no sense to me. And and, and to me, it, it just, it, it makes me, it, I don't want to say it pisses me off, uh, but it just makes me think that, yes, Garoppolo isn't perfect, but he does most things, almost everything Shanahan wants him to do. And he does almost everything very well. Like, you can't just plug Carson Wentz in and it work. Garoppolo does a lot of things very well. And like that doesn't mean he was great on Sunday. It means he was good. 
He, can he be better? 100%. Yes, he can. Don't throw the ball to Trent Taylor with the defender right on him at the goal line. Like, there are things he can improve on. But, and that's what I want to ask you here is, after I list those stats and seeing Niner fans on Twitter complain, but also maybe be happy in Garoppolo's success, what do you think Garoppolo needs to improve on? Is it that deep ball that fans want to see so bad? Is it not being a one-read quarterback? Or is it just being more relaxed in the pocket and not afraid to make those big throws when they're needed? Well, I guess if I'm going to be the armchair quarterback here, and uh, <laughs> I try not to be too judgmental, and sometimes that makes me sound like a homer because I don't point out the glaringly obvious, uh, you know, things that are clearly wrong with him. But um, uh, I just think it, it would it be nice for him to hit a deep ball here and there. Yeah, sure. Would it be nice for him to, uh, you know, throw one of those laser beam thirty yard outs uh, that Mahomes throws? Yeah, sure. But you know what I mean. I feel like. I feel like if we win, if we win a game, here's the thing that's always haunted Garoppolo in the short time that he's been in San Francisco. It's if we win a game and we win it as a team and Garoppolo doesn't throw up fantasy, huge fantasy numbers. I think fantasy football has ruined a lot of people in this sense. Um, if he doesn't put up huge uh, uh, fantasy numbers, uh, everybody just says, oh, the team carried him. Or last year it was the defense because Nick Bosa was so good and, and uh, you know, D Ford was so great and so on and so forth. Um, if he's not the guy that totally sticks out with statistics, oh, if he doesn't throw for 300 yards and three touchdowns or four touchdowns and uh, God forbid he throws a pick. Last year, every single time he threw a pick, his numbers were astronomically uh, uh, good uh, in the positive direction, uh, and he didn't throw another pick back to back. And he uh, he always countered those picks with uh, uh, either a touchdown or a great drive. And uh, I said this to people last year: none of the interceptions. I think he had thirteen last year. None of the interceptions last year. You can look this up uh, in the regular season and even in the postseason cost us any games. So when he threw a pick, people were like, Oh my God, Jimmy, you're such an idiot and blah, blah, blah. And all the other names they called him and so on and so forth. But if you stop and you pay attention and you breathe, nothing, the defense stepped up and stopped the, 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 the offense uh, on the next drive. So it didn't really cost the team points. It's not like the teams were scoring touchdown after touchdown after touchdown when he was throwing these picks, he only threw 13. That's less than one a game. What do people want? I mean, yeah, sure, you got guys like Aaron Rodgers who are throwing like silly numbers like four and eight and ten year in and year out. You know, that's unheard of. We don't need Garoppolo to be that. It's a team sport, man. I say this a lot. Anybody who follows me on Twitter, I say this all the time. Stats are for losers, man. Win the game. That's the only, that is the only stat that really matters in football, man, is the W. Because at the end of the day, if you, if you win the game and your quarterback has an average night, you still have a win. But if you lose and your wide receiver catches 10 passes for 200 yards and three touchdowns, nobody's going to care. Nobody remembers that. You know, people remember winners, not losers. People don't really remember uh, really great games or games where a guy, a, a guy had an amazing fantasy football outing, but they lost. So stop judging Garoppolo on how many interceptions he throws and how many touchdowns he throws. Judge him on his win, on, on on how many wins the team wins. I I hate the fact that there's this there's this overwhelming idea that the quarterback is solely responsible for the win a, a week in and week out. And when it doesn't look like that that is the case, whether it's Jimmy or any quarterback in the league, to be honest, there's this overwhelming sense 
that because not every QB is Patrick Mahomes um, who takes over and dominates games and who makes it look easy and fun every week that any QB that doesn't show that is a less than or not elite or all these other goofy titles that they give them to be perfectly honest, man. Um, I really don't care if, if Jimmy Garoppolo throws three interceptions in one game and we win. Yeah. Can Jimmy clean that up? Sure. But guess what? We still won the game, you know? So uh, I think Jimmy gets a lot of unfair criticism because, you know, Deshaun Watson runs for, you know, 50, 60 yards and scrambles out of the pocket and gets first downs with his feet. And that's just not how Jimmy is. I'm old school, man. I just want the W. I really don't care what it looks like. I'd rather have uh, a rock'em, sock'em, 17, 14 uh, punt fest uh, where both teams are playing great defense and it's whoever has the ball last wins the game. I don't know how old you are, but that's how that's old 90s football. You know, I grew up on that kind of stuff. I'm a very old, 23 years old, but I will say that I agree with you. Uh, that, yes, Garoppolo can improve on a lot of things, but when I look at it, Jimmy Garoppolo is a winner. At the end of the day, if you're, if you're going to quote a, a, a coach that maybe wasn't in the best era of Niners football, but was a dominant player in his heyday in Chicago, Mike Singletary, I want winners. That's what I want. That, that's exactly what Jimmy Garoppolo is. I think he's... 24 and 7, 24 and 3 in his entire career in San Francisco. It, it's insane that people can can argue that going through Tim Rattay and Cody Pickett uh, and, and having to sit through the awful years of Alex Smith before he became a quarterback and had a competent coaching staff and then go through the Kaepernick years where, oh my God, we're going to win a Super Bowl. And then, oh, now we have Blaine Gabbert and Brian Hoyer and Troy Smith and, and, and all these guys who are coming in here trying to win a job. Then we get Garoppolo after suffering through Hoyer and Beathard for a, a season, and he wins five games in a row. Then the team has some energy, and George Kittle even said that after the last game that if we had Garoppolo, we felt like we could have gone to the playoffs. When you have a quarterback that can bring that type of energy, and you can see how this team talks about him all the time. Jimmy Garoppolo's a leader. He's a baller. He's our franchise quarterback, whether it's Ayuk who just got there, Kittle who's been there since 2017, uh, Fred Warner, these guys believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. And yes, he may be limited in certain things, but when you have a team and a coaching staff who hopefully fully buys into him, you see what can happen. That's what 2019 was. You see what can happen against a Rams team when you've just been utterly destroyed against Miami and lost against Philadelphia in a must-win game in prime time. Jimmy Garoppolo is the guy who can step up and win you that game, and that's what you want. He may not be the, the gunslinging quarterback you need, like Mahomes and Watson, like you said. He, he may not put up the, the 70 yards on the ground and the 400 through the air. But at the end of the day, 268, three touchdowns and a QBR of 90.3 and a W, that's pretty sufficient for me. And I, I totally agree with you that some people, that gets in the way and, and they're blinded by, well, he didn't have you know the Bleacher Report stat line we all want to see. And I get it, it's great. Patrick Mahomes is fantastic. He's a wonderful quarterback. But right now, the Chiefs barely beat the Bills. And it wasn't because Patrick Mahomes. It was because of that running game. But nobody wants to talk about that. Mahomes wasn't bad. But Garoppolo, he was pretty on par with Mahomes this past week. But no one's going to say anything. And it's frustrating. Uh, but I do want to get into the receivers here. I kind of mentioned the Yak Bros. I mentioned how Garoppolo wasn't throwing the ball uh, beyond the line of scrimmage that much. But the Yak Bros, Kittle, Ayuk, and Samuel, oh my god. I mean, they, they are fantastic. 182 yards a yak, three touchdowns. Uh, 
and I'm going to go on a limb here. And like I said, I'm a young 23, and I and I went through the history books to look back at the best tight end uh, and receiver trio we ever had, and I went back to 1989, Brent Jones, Rice, and Taylor. I think that's the the best trio we've had in a long time. 1989. My brother, who's 31, was born then. Like it's a long time ago for someone like me. Eight years prior to my birth. Uh, and so I, I really do believe that this guys, although they're very young, Ayuk being his rookie season, Debo in his sophomore year, they have the making of a team, albeit very different than those guys. They have the making of a team that they could be the best trio of receivers and tight ends since them. And so I want to ask you, is this the best group of weapons we've had since the early 2000s? I mean, that's a lot, man. Like I've, I saw T.O. play with Jerry Rice. I, I watched the game. T.O. had 20 catches in Jerry Rice's last game as a Niner. Um, you know, it, it, it's hard to put together another trio off the top of my head. Um, I am a little older than you. I'm 40. So off the top of my head, um, yeah, we've had great tight ends. Uh, Vernon Davis, before Vernon Davis, we had a guy named Eric Johnson yeah. uh, who – wasn't the fastest, wasn't the strongest, wasn't the tallest, wasn't the biggest, but the guy had sure hands who were in great routes and he was always open. He was awesome. I loved him. Mm-hmm. Um, Brett Jones, loved that guy. Uh, shoot, Taylor, Rice, and Jones, I would probably have to say that you're that, that, that that's accurate. Other than maybe a T.O. and an aging Jerry Rice, yeah, man, this group has a lot of potential. I think Kyle hit it here. You got guys like Debo and Ayuk who catch the ball, even if it's only a five-yard pass, and turn that into a 20-yard game. Or Kittle catching those quick passes, eluding a defender. Even Kittle says he hates if the first guy ever tackles him on, on the first try. You know what I mean? So these guys are – it might be corny or other teams might think it's cheesy, but these guys really are the run-after-the-catch bros, man. These three guys turn simple, basic, short passes – into long, meaningful first down runs or even touchdowns. And you get these guys into the open field, man, and it's it, nobody's going to want to tackle these kids. These kids are not, you know, tiny. They're big dudes, bulk, bulky guys, guys who don't go down. I see, I've seen Depot take linebacker hits and bounce right off of them like pinballs, man. They're not guys who just go down. So I think this is the best trio, even though, like you said, it's only Debo's sophomore year and Ayuk's a rookie, and Ayuk is looking like a world beater out there already. Um, and then you got George Kittle, who I think is the best tight end the Niners have ever had physically. But I'm really excited for this trio, man. This trio is going to take us a long way, and hopefully it's, uh, these three guys are going to help us raise not just one Super Bowl, but several. It's hard not to get giddy and overtly excited as to what the Niners are building on uh, on offense, especially when you add in Kyle Shanahan uh, and a really good fullback and a good running game and hopefully a strong offensive line going forward. But it would be wrong of me to not move to the defensive side of the ball after discussing so much on the offense. And it would be also wrong of me to not mention guys like Fred Warner and Jason Verrett. Fred Warner is easily the best linebacker in the NFL. He is the top pass coverage linebacker in the NFL he's almost like a hunter and and you best believe he's gonna get his prey he's that good he runs all over the field every play he's involved doesn't matter if the play is 15 yards behind him or on the far side of the field and he's running across the field to get the tackle he will be there that's how great he's been Uh, and people want to say Bobby Wagner and all respect to Bobby Wagner he's fantastic in Seattle but Fred Warner they call him all pro Fred for a reason well he has taken that to the next level this year Uh, but I want to focus on Jason Verrett 
Uh, he's he's been the steal of last year's free agency class. Played that one game against Pittsburgh was awful. Back on IR, but this year he has been the Twitter darling of the season, and rightfully so. Uh, the guys had a torn, AC, a torn ACL in 2016, a knee injury in 2017, a torn Achilles in 2018, and he had an ankle injury last year that kept him out the majority of the year. I mean, the, the dude has been through the ringer, and, and I, I couldn't be happier for him. Uh, but Verrett leads the NFL in passer rating at 7.8 and hasn't allowed a, a reception longer than 9 yards. That's how great he's been. It's just insane this year. And... I kind of want to bring in some sad news with Richard Sherman, who his injury is, I think, a little more serious than they're leading it on to be. He's getting procedures done. No surgery, but just getting procedures and shots done. And so my question to you is, if Sherman can't come back this year, uh, should we believe that the Niners have found their CB1? Maybe just not for this year, but also for next year if Rack can stay healthy. I had this same conversation, I think it was last night, um, you know, saying that, if Verrett keeps playing the way he's playing, you you can't take him off the field. And I'm sorry, but you can't you can't uh, you you can't not mention Mosley, man. Mosley played lights out last night. I think Cooper Cup and Robert Woods were borderline irrelevant for most of that game. I don't remember their stats, but it wasn't that great. Um, and uh, the only thing I would say is Verrett is 29. I would say if you do re-sign him and he stays healthy. He uh, gets maybe another three-year deal, um, one of those uh, year-to-year type things, you know, one of those prog specials. As long as you stay on the field, you get paid, and we'll keep you. Um, Verrett has just been the comeback player of the year, in my opinion, man. I mean, like you said, you named that. I saw a picture, and um, I'm not sure if you got the, all those uh, injuries off that picture that I saw on Twitter today, but, man, it looked like just a mash unit for that guy, like torn ACL, you know, hurt this, hurt that, hurt – I mean – the guy, I'm pretty sure that guy wanted to quit a hundred times uh, a day uh, for years, but he never did. And people were saying this guy, when he when he was playing in San Diego, he was a pro bowler. And all I kept saying is, man, God, if we can just get Verrett back to even 80 percent of what he was, he's going to be a huge addition to this secondary. And then if you do add Richard Sherman to this and you do take Mosley off the field, and you got uh, Richard Sherman on one side and Verrett on the other, and then when Williams comes back, uh, one of the best, uh, some argue that he is the best slot corner in the in the league. I mean, shoot, if we had uh, Bosa and Ford, uh, I mean, this, this secondary could be one of the best uh, that we've ever seen. Um, last year, um, we were on pace to have one of the best uh, defenses against the past of all time. We still finished, I think, in the top two or three, in yards allowed all season uh, last year. We might have even finished number one, if my memory serves me. Um, but, uh, yeah, Jason Verrett, man, if uh, he keeps playing, it, it's a it's a great it's a great uh, uh, problem to have. you got a guy like Mosey who can come off the bench and play really, really well at a high level. And if Sherman doesn't come back, I don't know if, if Mosley and Verrett stay healthy all year. I don't know if that's necessarily a bad thing. And I might get some backlash for that, but – I mean, Sherman is a great player, but he's he's up there in age. He's not the fastest guy either. So uh, I'm really excited for Jason. I'm excited for us because, uh, heck, it might even give us a reason to uh, not have to re-sign Sherman if, if uh, both of those guys can keep playing at a high level and stay on the field. 
What's funny, because that was actually my next question. If Sherman's health is still a concern, even during the offseason, and they are not, they don't want to re, repay a 33-year-old cornerback, could the Niners choose Retton Mosley over bringing back Sherman? And I'm pretty sure you just answered it. The answer is maybe yes. And and it's hard to say that because Sherman has meant so much to this defense. Uh, but uh, and So I, I also do want to give credit to the rest of the defense here as well, is that they held Jared Goff to 5.2 yards per attempt. And, and if that was his average, if that was uh, what he finished the season with, that would be ranked 30th in the NFL. He came in with an above 8 yards per attempt on the, uh, uh, through the air. That's how good our defense was against uh, the Los Angeles Rams. It was a huge ba- uh, bounce back win for Shanahan. Sala got his team back on track, got his unit back on track. Uh, and this team looks ready for New England this Sunday. But I want to look around the league at the landscape and, and where the Niners currently stand in your eyes and in my eyes. Uh, and when it comes to the playoffs, the Niners currently are the 10th seed in the NFC. But right now, the NFC is really hard to put a finger on because... The NFC East, somehow the Cowboys are leading that division with two wins, and they just got blown out by Arizona at home. Uh, and so, sadly, the the joke that is the NFC, they're going to have the four, the, the number four seed, whether it's Dallas or Philadelphia or even the Washington football team, if whoever's playing quarterback there or whatever's going on over there. Uh, the NFC South, uh, the Bucks got this, the Bucks just destroyed the Packers, uh, but I still don't really know who Tampa Bay. is. Is they lose to the Bears? Tom Brady's putting up the four hands, and so I don't really know what's going on in Tampa Bay. They're kind of wishy-washy as to what Bruce Arians and Tom Brady are doing and thinking about each other. Uh, the Saints have practically a senior citizen that can only throw checkdowns now, and that's all due respect to Drew Brees. Love him, great guy, great career, but he's just not the same guy. And somehow they're above 500. The almost lost to the Chargers and Justin Herbert, who looks like a, a great career ahead of him. But they're just not the same team. Emmanuel Sanders, I don't know why you had to go to New Orleans. We love you back in San Francisco. You have a way better quarterback here right now. Uh, but uh, the NFC North, the Bears are ahead of the Packers. I don't think anybody saw that coming. But to me, they are the black sheep uh, of the NFC playoff picture because they are a defensive-led uh, team. But uh, they have a limited offense as to what Nick Foles can do for that team. Uh, the Packers, they look like maybe the number one, number two seed in the NFC, but then they got embarrassed against Tampa Bay. Rodgers had a pick six and back-to-back picks uh, for them. The offensive line got exposed again. That kind of showed traits of last year's team when they played San Francisco. Then you make your way to the NFC West, and like you said, they're the best division in the NFL. Uh, I would agree with that 100%. The Seahawks look like the number one seed, but their pass rush stinks. They have the the 32 ranked, 32nd ranked passing defense in the NFL. So it really is Russell Wilson, DK Metcalf, and Chris Carson leading the way for that team, even on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, in that case, I think the Rams are kind of on par with the Niners, but we just beat them, so it's kind of hard to put as to where those two teams place out. Then you have the Cardinals, who. They're kind of a weird mix of contender and pretender wrapped into just Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins, who are kind of a mismatch for San Francisco. But for whatever reason, I don't think they're good enough to win seven games this year. But I'm sure because 2020 is this weird vortex of hypotheticals coming true that they might they might leak in somehow. And so my question to you after, after going through all of that and how the NFC is stacking up, where do you think the Niners stack up in the NFC uh, currently? 
this season has definitely gone on par with 2020. It's wild, wacky, unpredictable. And like you said, I mean, as I was listening to you uh, spout off every division and, and I mean, NFC East is, is garbage. It is, it's a high school, it's, it, it's like a high school division. Someone's going to win that division with a losing record. We might even see a seven and nine team win that division and host a playoff game. Ugh. And then you got, like you said, there's just so many wild cards. I had uh, up until last week, I had the Packers as the number one seed and Seattle as the number two seed. And now I'm not sure about that. Uh, Seattle's five and zero. Oh. Well, like you said, Seattle is literally Russell. It's the Russell Wilson show. It's 98% Russell Wilson, 1% DK Metcalf. And the other percent is Chris Carson because uh, Lord help them. If their defense ever plays um, any good ever, they allowed, I think I read somewhere. Um, I think it was in week five. Um, they have already allowed 1200 yards in the air on defense. <laughs> and I don't know how much more they gave up last week in that win, but I'm sure it's, you know, a, a couple hundred more yards in the air. And that just sounds preposterous to me, how any team can give up 1200 yards in the first five weeks and still be undefeated. The annoying part about Seattle is that as long as Seattle has Russell Wilson standing up straight, their offensive line doesn't even have to be good, which most usually it's not. Um, and their defensive clearly doesn't need to be good because they're still five and zero. And I feel like the only way you're going to beat that team is uh, if you if you stop Russell Wilson uh, one more time than they stop you. And uh, it's it's going to be uh, in this next five game stretch that we have. Um, they're, in my opinion, going to be the hardest game. Uh, you made mention of, um, so we got New England this week. Um, Cam is a mobile guy. Uh, Belichick's clearly going to uh, scheme to try to stop stop Kittle. And uh, if we can come out of this week uh, with a win, if Jimmy Garoppolo can beat his former uh, head coach, mentor, whatever you want to call him, uh, this week and show that uh, it wasn't a fluke uh, that uh, it, he got traded to the Niners and has been uh, as good as he is. Cause in my opinion, Bill Belichick is the best defensive mind in the entire league. Um, and if we can possibly rattle off another win against uh, the Packers. And like you said, the saints, those uh, uh, the Packers, like you said, their offensive line looks suspect. I'm not sure if that defense is any better than it was last year. And Aaron Rodgers is playing out of his mind. Uh, he's got like, what is it, like 16 touchdowns or some silly thing uh, already. So these games at first glance last week uh, didn't look like they were very winnable. But um, this gauntlet that people are saying these next five games are going to present, I'm not sure if it's going to be as tough as people think. If this defense uh, plays like they did last week, if that offensive line uh, can string a, uh, uh, together a few more games uh, like they just did last week and play like that for the rest of the season, I'm not sure if the Niners can't reel off three, four, five, six wins in a row here. So uh, I'm, I'm not going to say that any of those games that I mentioned are going to be easy. I just think with the tape we just put on last week against a divisional opponent in the Rams, and we literally made the best dominant uh, defensive lineman uh, in the last 20 years, Aaron Donald, irrelevant. If we can do some of the same things and have that 2019 vibe for the rest of the season, I don't know, man. Uh, the NFC is wide open. Is Tampa for real? I don't know. Are the Rams for real? I don't know. The Rams, all four of their wins, um, if people are paying attention, all four of the Rams' wins are against the NFC East. Does that mean they're real? 
does that mean they've really beat anybody, anybody's any any real competition? Because as soon as the Niners showed up, uh, they didn't look as good. They, like you said, Jared Goff wasn't the eight yards a pass uh, guy he was. He was the five yards a pass guy. Aaron Donald had four sacks the very the very previous week, and he didn't even get a. I don't even think he got a QB hit on Garoppolo uh, this week, uh, the previous uh, game. I'm sorry. Um, so I'm not saying the Niners are going to win the Super Bowl. <laughs> I'm not saying the Niners are going to be the number one seed. But uh, like you said, this is this has been a wild season so far. Uh, teams are winning games that I didn't think were going to win. Um, the Cardinals were playing really well in the beginning, and I think they've kind of tapered off. They did lose their best pass rusher in Chandler Jones. So the wild, wild NFC West has not been set in stone. We still have a, sh- a great shot at uh, making the playoffs, especially since uh, that extra playoff slot has been uh, added to uh, the season. Yeah, the Niners have to play the Patriots. Then they go to Seattle, the Packers, Saints, Rams, and Bills. The Bills haven't been playing that much good of football recently. We just beat the Rams. The Saints, I, I already said, the quarterback's looking older. The offense isn't as explosive, although they haven't had Michael Thomas. The Packers got exposed this weekend, uh, and Seattle is Russell Wilson. So there really is some room to wiggle here. And if, again, the, the, if the Niners can be in these games late, and even if they lose, fans will say, okay, well, they, they don't have Nick Bosa. They don't have Sherman. They don't have uh, Alexander, who really isn't that good. But they don't have uh, Kaywon Williams, and they don't have Raheem Mostert, and things like that. But, but you have to take it a game at a time. And so... We saw them build momentum last week against the Rams. Got a win. The team felt better. You can tell there were smiles. And when Jimmy Garoppolo has a smile back, that's when I would be pretty scared if I was a defense. And ho- and hopefully this team can continue that. This Sunday against the Patriots, they're going to be in New England. Week 7, Niners are 3-3. Three and three. Patriots are 2-3. and three. Niners are coming off that 24-16 win over the Rams. Patriots coming off of two consecutive losses to the Chiefs without Cam Newton. Then last week, or this past Sunday, uh, an 18-12 to to, uh, loss uh, versus the Broncos. Cam Newton didn't play very well. Two interceptions look kind of shaky. Uh, but the the Patriots have, which is pretty common now in the Belichick era for the last 20 years, the fourth-ranked defense, according to Pro Football Reference. They have one of the greatest coaches of all time, one of the greatest defensive minds of all time. So Sunday is not going to be easy by all means. But one thing I will say is that the Patriots do allow the 16th most rushing yards per game. Of course, the Niners sadly will not have Raheem Mostert. He has a high ankle injury. Uh, he will be out for at least three weeks. So we're probably going to see McKinnon and Hasty, maybe even some Jeff Wilson Jr., uh, which leads me to my first question about Week 7. Who do you think leads this team in carries, and how will Shanahan adapt the offense without their leading rusher? Without Mostert and and his four three speed and the way he hits those holes, uh, it's definitely going to be more uh, five yards in a cloud of dust, and uh, you know we're going to have to earn those yards because uh, I love what Bill Belichick does over there. His three four defense um, is uh, like you said fourth fourth in the league. But if we're going to beat them, we're going to have to run the ball well. And to answer your question, and I think this is going to make a lot of uh, the fans happy. Uh, I think Hasty has shown even in a small sample that he hits those he hits those holes well he's very decisive it's one cut and it's up the field and it's gain yards 
uh, semi-reminiscent of uh, how Frank used to play when he was here. It was one cut, hit the hole, get the yards, uh, live to fight another down. It wasn't always, you know, 40 yards down the field. It's not always 80 yards uh, and no one touches you like uh, Motster does. I think we're a little spoiled with him. Um, but I really like Hasty, man. Kyle has shown that he can pull pretty much anybody with some wiggle and some speed off of a undrafted free agent list and uh, be effective. And I'm really excited about this hasty kid. McKinnon, in my opinion, is a lower volume, get him out on the edges, get him in a pitch situation or throw him a ball in a, in a screen and uh, get him out in space where he can uh, use that speed and those uh, and that quick twitch that he has. Um, I don't think he's a between the tackles guy. He's uh, not, not as big as a Jeff Wilson Jr. is. Jeff Wilson Jr., I really like. He's uh, he's explosive. He's very decisive. He's very angry when he runs, and I like the fact that he hits those holes uh, quickly and without too much uh, toe-tapping or dancing. So uh, I think Hasty uh, really is going to uh, lead this team in carries, not only this week, but uh, going forward until we get uh, Motster back. And uh, w- rookie or not, man, he has shown not only that – uh, he can be productive, but he's not fumbling. He doesn't fumble the ball. He doesn't really make uh, too many bad decisions. You don't see him getting tackled for, uh, you know, two and three yard losses or or more for uh, all that dancing in the backfield that some of these backs uh, like to do. So uh, I'm going to go with Hasty, man. I think Hasty really, uh, really has a bright future here. Besides the rushing attack maybe being less in without Mostert, the, the arguably and probably not even arguably. The biggest storyline going into Sunday is going to be Garoppolo returning to New England for the first time, and uh, Belichick talked about it today for a little bit, saying we're happy for Garoppolo, we're happy we can trade him to a great organization. Uh, But in the back of his mind, now that we know that Belichick saw Garoppolo as the replacement for Brady, he was grooming him to be TB10 uh, instead of TB12. That's what he wanted. And that's what he was going to do. That was He was going to be the guy in New England. And the Niners said, give us Brady. He, Belichick said, you're crazy. Kraft won't let me do it, even though I probably want to do it. Uh, I'll give you Garoppolo for a second-round pick. And so uh, my question to you is, one, how is Belichick going to use his ninth-ranked passing defense against Garoppolo? We've seen plenty of teams stack the box uh, and force Garoppolo to throw, cut off the middle of the field. What is he going to do uh, to prevent Garoppolo from getting anything going? You mentioned stopping George Kittle. But also, let's move back three years. Do you think Belichick, now knowing what he's seen, what Garoppolo can be, and what he has now in Cam and having to go through the the gauntlet of an older Brady uh, with a limited offense, do you think he regrets making that trade with San Francisco? I'm going to answer your second question first. And I think that, uh, like you said, he wanted to trade Brady to us and keep Garoppolo and keep the ball rolling and, and go on another 10 year run. You know, that guy never ages, you know, but Kraft put the kibosh on that. Like you said, um, there's actually an article written about that. Those are, that's a fact. That's not a, that used to be a rumor and that's been confirmed. Uh, I, I don't necessarily think he regrets it. I just think that Belichick wanted to. Belichick, most people don't realize this, but Belichick is the GM over there. Uh, he calls the shots on the players, and Kraft wouldn't let him trade Brady. If if Kraft didn't have a say and Kraft uh, 
uh, didn't uh, put the kibosh, Brady would have been a Niner. That's a fact. And Garoppolo would be in New England. And, you know, um, and to answer your point, how is Belichick going to attack Garoppolo? Well, like I said before, it's a team sport. If I'm going to attack Garoppolo, if Trent Williams is out and our center is clearly out, I'm going to attack right in the middle of that uh, offensive line. They run a 3-4 defense. It's very aggressive. Their linebackers are all hyper-aggressive. Uh, if I'm New England, I beat the crap out of uh, that center, and uh, I force Jimmy to move in the pocket. I force Jimmy to do the uncomfortable things, throw on the run, uh, maybe do do more seven-step drops than he wants to do, and get the ball out of his hands quicker than he wants to, and hope some of those corners, because they do have great corners over there, uh, one of the best in Stephen Gilmore, and uh, a safety tandem that is uh, top 10 in the league. Um, so if I'm Bill Belichick and I wanted to stop Garoppolo, knowing the weaknesses that we have on our offensive line coming into this game, that's exactly what I do. I force the interior of that offensive line to play an outstanding game. And if they do that and Garoppolo has time, he's going to pick them apart. It's going to be feast or famine, in my opinion. Belichick's going to – or Belichick's going to do what uh, a, a cl- pull a classic Belichick move. He's going to rush three – drop eight and dare Jimmy dare Jimmy to beat him with his arm. I saw it in, in the game, uh, in the Super Bowl. uh, Belichick is notorious for doing things like that. Um, you know, switching it up, playing three, four, four, three, five, two, four, six. I mean, all of it, you know, he does, he does it all. And, uh, it's going to be a real challenge for Jimmy, even though Jimmy spent, uh, a few years over there and he knows how Belichick rolls. Uh, Belichick doesn't, doesn't use the same uh, defense every week in and week out. Belichick uh, fine tunes his defense every week for the players that they're playing against. And I guarantee you Belichick is going to know exactly where all of our weak spots are and he's going to try to exploit them all. So this is definitely going to be one of the toughest games Jimmy's uh, had in his career uh, because he's not going to let Jimmy get comfortable and throw those quick, easy passes. And he's going to try to shut down Kittle. Uh, which uh, good luck. Uh, you might want to uh, get more than one person on him if you're going to succeed in that area. So uh, I'm excited for this game. Uh, if Cam can uh, can uh, get back to his form and uh, you know run the ball effectively and uh, throw the ball effectively, uh, this might be a, this might actually be a a shootout um, if uh, if it becomes a defensive game on both sides of the ball. Uh, then uh, you might see something like a, 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 a 10 to seven game or a 13 to 10 game, you know, where the field goals, the field goal kickers earn their money. Uh, either way, I think uh, Kyle Shanahan is going to have to uh, pull out all the stops on offense and uh, uh, game plan for Belichick's uh, very versatile. Uh, never know what's coming defense. And uh, it's going to be an exciting week. We kind of hit on my next question here, and that is, what is your matchup to look out for? Is it uh, the Niners defense, Robert Sala, and maybe a QB spy against Cam Newton, or is it George Kittle against whatever Belichick has schemed for him out there? I think what you're going to see in the media is is going to be Garoppolo against Belichick, uh, former student against the master, uh, six rings against the kid who uh, could have had uh, another a 10-year run in New England had they just traded Brady away and uh, kept uh, kept it moving. But uh, I think uh, both of those points are, uh, are are valid. Is Robert Soleil going to be able to uh, 
uh, contain Cam if Cam gets outside the uh, pocket and starts moving with his feet. But uh, I think I think the storyline, if we're being honest, man, and I think you I think you realize this as well. The media is definitely going to make this about uh, Garoppolo and Belichick. But in the back of my mind, I want to see if George Kittle can be schemed out of a game. I'm very interested to see if George Kittle is actually uh, stoppable. And if anybody's going to do it, in my opinion, it's Bill Belichick. Well, this game is definitely going to be a clash between one of the greatest defensive minds to ever coach in the game against one of the greatest offensive minds we've seen in the last 15 years. Uh, Real quick here before I let you go, uh, one, who comes out on top? Can I get a score prediction? And finally, what will be the headline uh, Monday morning following Sunday's game against the Patriots? There's so many factors, uh, you know, and uh, if I'm going to give you a score and try not to uh, be long-winded here, um, I'm going to say um, if if Cam plays like he did last week, um, we could we could probably see uh, a, a little bit of an embarrassing game for the Patriots um, if Cam gets a little shaky and uh, that defense can get him rattled. Uh, I'm going to say we're going to we're going to win this game 27 to 17. It's going to be a 10 point win. Garoppolo is going to have a good game. And uh, the, the headline on Monday is uh, Garoppolo Bess. Uh, former teacher or uh, former former head coach. And then we're going to see that Jimmy smile again like we did uh, the week before. But uh, it, it, if this does turn into uh, uh, like a 17-13 type of game, I won't be surprised either. And I don't mean to be wishy-washy here. I'm going to stick with my original prediction. But I could also see a very defensive-dominated game where both guys struggle and then uh, whoever has the ball last wins. So I'm going to stick with my original uh, score, though. Niners win by 10. Jimmy Best, Belichick. Well, I love that. And, and, and I don't think any Niner fan would say, I don't want to see that on Sunday. But I think if Garoppolo, 250 yards, a few touchdowns, plays a clean game, I think you're looking at a Niner win. But, Mike, I'm going to let you go here. So you can follow Mike on Twitter at Ice Cream Judas, one of the best Twitter names I've ever seen. Uh, and, and, and be sure to check out his work on Niners Noir. He's a great follow on Twitter. He's a funny guy. A lot of hot takes, but a lot of true and honest takes, and that's why I wanted to get him on today. Uh, he does a ton of great work on Twitter, and he's just a great guy. Mike, thanks for coming on. Great to have you on, and great stuff today. Hey, Sterling. Thanks a lot, man. I appreciate that, and uh, good stuff today, man. I appreciate you, and uh, go Niners. Mike was fantastic, but my final score prediction on Sunday is close to Mike's. 27-20, to 20, Niners have the momentum uh, and maybe Cam Newton struggling out there after contracting COVID-19. Thank God he's better. But I think the Niners win a close game, 27-20, to and they ultimately start this tough stretch 2-0. and uh, It feels great to be in the win column again, and I hope we can do this next week and talk about a Niners win. And hopefully the Niners are 4-3 and after Sunday before taking on Seattle in Week 8. While we await Sunday's game, be sure to follow us on Instagram at 49ers.access. Uh, Twitter is at 49er underscore access. There's a ton of great news, updates, opinion on there. Great content all the way around. Any Niner news you want, it's going to be on our social media. Also, leave a review. These podcasting platforms rely heavily on how often your name is searched and that allows you to be put higher in the algorithm. So please do that. And also, until next time, stay faithful. Thank you.